ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We are back. It's been a minute since we talked about a book. What do you got there? A book. I have. You have a book by a my book. uncle right You. There. I can't do the intro. This is you. You. Uh, you handed these out. Yes. To management team. Yeah. At Drift. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm. I, mean, I can't. Talk about you do the here. intro. Okay. So there are a couple of books that I come back to over and over again. Uh, one of those books that I recommend and that I read every few years is a a different book yes. by the same author here. And if you can't see the name of this author is Peter F. Drucker. If you listen to past past uh, podcast that we had with Patrick, it is not Drucker, it is Drucker. <laughs> and the book that I always hand out and give out to everyone here is called Managing Oneself. Mm. This book here that we're going to review today is called The Effective Executive, The Definitive Guide to Getting the Right Things Done. And this has everything you need as a manager to be able to grow and to be an effective leader. It's all in this book right here. You know what? You don't need any of the books. If you want to lead people, there's no other books you need. It's all in this book right here. And mo many of those other books that you may read are entertaining, but they all come from this book. Mm. They come from the master, mm. Peter F. Drucker. And so the little homie here, the young nephew here, has some stuff highlighted in here. So we're ready to set it off, get into Peter Drucker, yeah. drop some bombs. It's been a minute. And I think, I, honestly, like, not to, not to, blow, not to like, hype up Seeking Wisdom, I think that's the best part is, like, this is actionable stuff. Like, this is what happened behind the scenes. You handed out this book, mm -hmm. and we're going to give that all away. Yep. So uh, there's really, so, so I got notes. And I handed out another book today. You did hand out another book today. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot, books, a lot, a lot of, of books. A lot of books. Uh, and I got about two and night was that? Tuesday night, I got a text message picture of a book yeah. at like 10 p.m. Yeah. about you're slipping. This is the headline. So, so it's not just that we just talk about these. This is real. Like, yeah. th there's a reason these books stay on the desk mm -hmm. and they're highlighted because we reference them. And wait, this is unrelated. One day, I think I'm going to release a book that are just my my messages to DG. What do you mean? That's my book. That's oh, okay. after that's your... the. That's after oh, drift. Okay. That's after drift. That's how I'm gonna. That's that's my Memorialize next. That's my next. You're like next path. Uh, 10 18 p.m. I don't know DG. if you see this. Uh, don't zoom in because there's sensitive stuff on here. But not only are we into books, you're on this crusade to bring pen and paper back. Back. And so I handed this is, out. Can some you hear drip. this, uh, listeners? Uh huh. <laughs> I handed I handed a custom made here, drift uh, kind of junior size legal pad. So it's kind of a half size legal pad. Little drift logo on the corner there. And I gave uh, one of the first copies over to the yeah. young DG. You're uh, you're bringing pen and paper back. You the first draft. So you DC sent out this internal uh, drift letter to shareholders this year mm -hmm. for the first time. That was hand. The first draft of it was handwritten. Mm -hmm. Handwritten. <laughs> I love it. Never happened. I, I love blew, it. I blew the nephew's uh, mind. It away. was amazing. I loved it. All right. So there's five five lessons. This is gonna be this episode is gonna be called five lessons uh, from Peter Drucker, something like that. Mm -hmm. So there's five things. I'll I'll do what we usually do. I'll, I'll read my notes and and you'll you'll give some commentary on them. Yeah. So so number one, his number one thing is five things. Number one is that effective effective executives know where their time goes. Mm. Okay. Uh, so it has a whole chapter. Know know thy time. Just initial reaction while I pull up my notes. Like, yeah. wh what does that what does that mean? Like, they know they know their time. It's all about being um, being proactive about um, the time that you have. I had a realization the other day, mm. and you're not going to believe this thing when uh -huh. I tell you. Okay. It's a discovery. Okay. That you won't believe. I'll believe it. Okay. Uh, maybe you not. ready? Oh uh, yeah. What do you and Elon Musk have in common? Me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, really? there's something that you have in common. Oh, I don't know. 
It's not that he wears black t-shirts, well, which like DG's wearing today. Wearing he may wear black t-shirts. I don't. I have no. I have no idea. Yeah. I read his book. Elon Musk, the creator of how many companies does he run now? Yeah, three companies. Three. Boring company. Three. Yep. Yeah. Three companies. Yeah. Boring Tesla and um, and SpaceX. SpaceX. Elon Musk. Yeah. And DG. Yeah. Both have 24 hours in a day. I thought you were going to compliment me. I thought this was going to be on. something. Come on. Let's not get crazy. Okay. I love it. So uh, so while Elon, while Young DG has some notes in this book here that we're going to read, Elon Musk is running three companies at mm. the same time. It's crazy. And what's the same thing between the two of them? They both have 24 hours in a day, right? And my point is when it comes to managing your time, some people can change the world in yeah. 24 hours, like Elon Musk. Totally. Some people can't change their shirt in... In 24 hours, right? Yeah, it's the same. Well, and 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 I I think I think the core of this is he says he has this question. He says the question you have to ask yourself is what would happen if this were not done at all? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is nothing would happen, then obviously you have to stop doing that thing. And that to me that's what Ugh. this is about. It's like the ruthless prioritization. Like what would happen if you didn't if we didn't do that one thing? Yeah, and that's liberating. That A lot ruthless. of people just get caught up in that. But yeah, it's liberating to be like nothing. Nothing. Okay, so get rid of it. Focus on the big rocks. Like, mm-hmm. That's where this stuff comes. It's all from about too, first right? principles. It's all about big rocks and it's all about one thing focusing on that one this thing. could be a dc line and i love this he says it's amazing how many things busy people are doing that will never be missed i love that right, right? that is a that is a dc line i may have gotten many of my lines uh, from, i think so from Drucker, i actually have a lot is, of personal notes in here about you you're like <laughs> yeah. i love that yeah. which is great that would be the b- biggest compliment ever is if you said like most of my stuff that i say is uh i've gotten from peter Drucker because that's the whole point the whole point is the only uh, shortcut, and we mentioned this in the past, is learning from others. Yep. So yeah, if I'm learning from others like Peter Drucker, man, I'm happy. If I'm learning those lessons the hard way and coming to the same realizations when they were right there in that book, then that's not that yeah. great. One more thing on the on the Know Thy Time, like this Know Thy Time chapter. He talks about like just looking for patterns, which is mm-hmm. something that you talk about all the time. And he says a crisis, like when you're looking at things that happen, a crisis that recurs a second time is a crisis that must not never occur again. Oof. Right? How many times? How Come many on. Time, how many times have I mean you? How many times have you had to tell me that or mm-hmm. had other conversations like every day? If it comes up twice. Then what are then we failed. Then right? we failed. It's okay if it came up the first time. It's okay if you we made a mistake, we missed something. But if it keeps reoccurring the same pattern over and over, yeah. then the flaw is not the not in that mistake itself. The flaw is in the management of that and the fact that we're letting that happen yeah. over and over, not learning. And this this book was this book was written in the early like probably the mid nineteen hundreds. Oh, you should throw it away then. Right. It's probably not probably not worth Burn it. Burn it. But the biggest thing, he said, the biggest time waster often results from overstaffing. Mm-hmm. Said too Come big, on, are you throwing bombs at me? I'm throwing bombs at you. Too big. It's, it's usually, the problem is usually too big for too small. But he says, a workforce may indeed be too small for the task, and then the work suffers if it gets done at all. But this is not the rule. Much more common is the workforce that's too big for effectiveness. Yes. The workforce that spends, therefore, an increasing amount of time interacting Exactly. Rather than working, right? Exactly. Most, so people, meeting, most people would say to you, I don't have enough people. Exactly. And we say, no, reduce the problem. This is why we believe in the small distributed teams approach and keeping the team small, a.k.a. what Jeff Bezos calls the two-pizza team rule that he has at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Keeping those teams small because adding more people to the mix almost never m- solves the problem faster. Instead, it creates more process more meetings, more overhead, and actually slows the entire thing down. Mm-hmm. And there was Peter Drucker before 
back in the whenever he wrote that book, yeah. before the two pizza rule, before you heard it from DC, before you ever read it anywhere else, Peter Drucker had it in that it's book. The same, it's the same thing. So that that's that's the first that's that's number one is is really understanding. Uh, understanding your time. Number two is he says effective executives focus on outward contribution. Mm. It's all you, about the results. The results. It's all the results that matter. I love that. I love when people put in the effort, uh, but it's not about effort. It's about results, and and uh, and those results can be gotten by just brute forcing your way or actually having a smarter approach well, to things. We we talk about that a lot. Is like everybody's work with that person who. They're always at work. They work super hard, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, that person can't can't not be any good yeah. at, at at their job. They're here twelve hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what this this chapter is. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And uh, I'm all about, you know. And I often talk about working hard, and I and I do that because uh, that is that is the basic thing that you need to get to do, which most people fail to do. Uh, and you know, when I do that, people bring up, oh, it's not about working hard. It's about working smarter. Mm. Did you know that, DC? Mm. And it's like, yeah, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need to work smart. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when I'm saying work hard, I'm not saying work dumb and, uh, and and not to think about what you're doing. The key is to do both of those things, right, to work hard and to work smart. And it, But in the end, the way that you, you measure success is not in the effort, but in the results. I think the other thing that, that that's a key piece of this is he talks about, like, as an executive, as a manager, you're always asking this one question, what can I contribute? Mm-hmm. And that's not personally to you, it's to the organization, Vision, right? Yeah. And that's because everything you've talked about. Exactly, because that's a servant leadership approach, right? Which right. is your job as a manager is to serve your team and serve the organization. And that's the question you should be asking. Not what you should can provide, but what can you provide others in order for them to be effective? You said the best executives typically ask this. What are the contributions for which this organization and I, your superior, should hold you accountable? What should we expect of you? What's the best utilization of your knowledge and your ability? And then communication becomes possible, becomes easy. Mm-hmm. right? If everybody's having that conversation with each other, here's what I expect of you. What do you expect of me? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And how were you feeling when you were reading this book? Because you were reading this recently. Um, I feel the same way. I feel the same way when you ha- you're good at recommending books that that fit in a certain point in my life. I think, yep. and so this the reason I have so many highlights in this. I didn't learn a single new thing in this book. Mm-hmm. I highlight That's everything great. because it's all relatable. Mm-hmm. Well, my, this is exactly right. Yes, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do need to ask those conversations. Yes, that is what DC or whoever is usually asking of me. I think that's why. I think mm-hmm. this is where the nonfiction is all about things that you already know the answers to, mm-hmm. but it's it's articulated in a way that is. And I think the fact that this was eighty plus years old makes it even more more relevant. Exactly. Maybe re maybe articulated in a way that you hadn't thought before. And maybe giving you a framework to organize these things that you may already know, 100%. and put them into into context. All right, number four. Oh, this is number three, but number uh, chapter four in this book is making strength productive. Mm-hmm. To me, this is you what first. Does that mean? What is that? When mean? you first put me on Drucker two years ago, mm-hmm. you gave me uh, managing oneself, which is yep. the first book that you man. Uh, yep. You said it's about because 30. first you must learn to manage one yourself. You have to manage oneself. Yeah, yep. and that book's like thirty pages long. Yep. And the number one thing that stood out for me in that book, which is this lesson, which is basically summed up is make strength productive, double down on your strengths versus focus on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Something we talk about all the time uh, within Drift and we've talked about for years, which is just this idea of shoring up your weaknesses versus doubling down on your superpowers. First, identifying your superpower, then doubling down on your superpower. And that's what this is about, which is leaning into your core strengths, making them a super strength, 
and then augmenting around you with people who are equally strong in other dimensions that you are weak. And I, because to, that is this the is the most important thing to me, and this is what until we had this conversation, I always thought I needed to be I need to be well rounded, mm. right? I'm a marketing person. I need to know the full stack. I need to know everything. Mm. And it's like no, this is what do you? It, and his whole thing is it's it's easier to take some someone who's pretty good at something and turn them into an all star mm-hmm. than it is to take somebody who has no competency in something and turn them into okay. Definitely. And I mean, you need uh, look no further than sports, which I, I care about zero. But um, but, you know, like it, it wouldn't make any sense for in any sport, whether it's basketball, football, whatever sport you like. Uh, I like tennis, but this metaphor doesn't work for that. But, um, you know, for everyone to have exactly the same skill. Right. Mm-hmm. So if everyone was the quarterback, if everyone wanted to be Tom Brady, that's not a team. Mm-mm. Right. They probably couldn't score very well. Mm-hmm. If Everyone wanted to throw the ball. Uh, same thing if everyone wanted to be able to uh, be great at every position, it wouldn't work as well. No. You have specialties, and people are specialized in that thing, and together they form a cohesive team. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, to make strength productive is the unique purpose of organization. It can't, of course, overcome the weakness with which each of us is abundantly endowed, mm-hmm. but it can make them irrelevant. Right. So if you're so good at the thing that you're good at, it doesn't matter if you're not good at those three other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just this is a, I, I mean, I, what's the point of me even reading Like, Go. You need to go get this. This book. You need, need to go to get me. this book. Um, the other thing, though, that's worth mentioning is that and you've said this a bunch, the strength piece, strong people always have strong weaknesses. Yes. And it's you have to the same. you have to come to accept that. Yes. Say that more. It's usually the same. It's the same. Uh, we always talk about in terms of superpower is your super weakness. Whatever your superpower is, uh, it is also the thing that you're the most weak at. What's right? it? Give me an example. Um, so Let's use Elias. Let's talk about Elias. Perfect. Okay. I can talk about him all day. All right. uh, his sup- what's his, his superpower? Tell me how his superpower is also his weakness. Yeah, his superpower is that, um, so he's, su- he's very extroverted, and because of that, his superpower is that he likes to talk to people. He likes to jump in the middle, be in the middle of chaos and try to bring order to chaos Mm -hmm. right and that's amazing but that same superpower of having that strength in that context uh is also his weakness right because he does he does not naturally have the capacity to stay in his head or to not maybe want to turn every situation into a chaotic one where then he can jump in Right. right right and so it becomes his super weakness and so we all have these like you know your strength might be uh, whatever it is, it might be around writing, and yeah. so that's great. And, but it also turns into weakness because it might ne- lead you to neglect certain other things that you can't do well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the superpower is always the super weakness. Other thing on hiring for strengths, he says the biggest mistake is that most people hire to fill a job, yep. not place a person. Which to me is like why we focus so much on on predictive index personality types. Yeah, yeah different and also why we pr- um, focus for so long on hiring people mm. versus trying versus to fill roles. a specific role. Yep. Right, because uh, because people are usually doing exactly what he, uh, Drucker said, which is trying to fill a job description versus looking for the right role for a specific person. Mm-hmm. Right, a person that might be. Uh, because the 10x people, the people who are capable of being 10x people, are not are, n- are almost never going to fit into yeah. some preconceived job description that you have, 
right? And those are the ones that you're going to have to take big bets on. Yeah. I think you need to repeat that. Mm -hmm. That's a really important lesson. Yeah. Think back to some of the biggest impact people that, that you've maybe hired at Drift, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Most of them were not, we have a job rec open. Nope. We're trying to fill this role. Nope. We found them. Yes. Right? Almost never. Almost never. So in my, in my career, most of the people who have been the 10x, 100x kind of uh, return people have been people that, I don't know, something was off, like yeah. they didn't fit in maybe the role that we were looking for. Or we say it to you all the time, you're yeah. like, I, you're like, team, I want you to meet with so-and-so. Yeah. And everyone immediately messaged you and you're like, yeah, but DC, what's the role? Yeah. And you're like, there is no role. Yeah. I but don't know what the role that's is. That's the point. The point is that this person, there's something about this person um, that looks like they have 10x capabilities. Uh, there may not be any role for them. But let's talk to them and figure out if we can build a role around mm -hmm. this person. Mm -hmm. Because usually those people who are 10x aren't coming in through the normal process and aren't fitting into the normal role, no. right? There's something off about them. There's something weird. We just hired someone who we think might ha be a 10x potential um, who's helping us out on, I can't mention, otherwise they wouldn't know who it is. But uh, someone we just mentioned, uh, someone that we just hired. and uh, But his background weren't sure about we didn't weren't sure if we had this role right now we didn't know but we took a bet Elias met him and then I met him and we hired him he's on the team now we took a bet because we think that there might be this 10x potential totally all right two more number four effective executives concentrate on the few major areas where superior performance will produce outstanding results focus 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 right? aka big rocks big rocks it's why you made everybody read the one thing mm -hmm. it's why you still talk do. about big rocks yep still do so focus 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 because the and I had this conversation this week with a friend, which is like, which made me think about this. Like the big things that usually like we're going through the scaling right now, right? S trying to scale the the company and the team, and most of the time, like you can try to do two things at once: scale and optimize, or um, which is hard or impossible. Or you can focus on most of the people are going to be focused on scaling, repeating exactly what we did in the past that was working. Yes. And then a small group could be experimenting at the same time. But you can't have the people who are trying to scale and repeat also experiment at the same time because it's all about focus, focus, focus. Mm -hmm. I think for the for the to-do list people out there, the list makers, like mm -hmm. I'm one of them, there's always, you might write five things down. Yep. There's always one thing that if you get that one thing done in the day, that's going to 10x your day. Mm -hmm. There's always one. Yep. All right, number five, number five, this is the fifth one, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, effective executives finally make effective decisions. You know what his big point in this chapter no, was? No, tell me. Two words, no consensus. Woo, are you serious? Serious. Get out of here. So that's his big thing, right? Um, effective decisions it. is all about no consensus. No consensus. I don't think I could tee you up for anything better than no, no consensus. No, that, that's one of eight. our consensus. consensus. That's one of our principles here. So we have eight leadership principles that drift today in 2018. There may be more in the future. And one of them is called no consensus, mm. right? And uh, and so we talk about that one internally about we don't we want people, again, because we want 10x, we want to be able to do the ideas that are going to really move the company forward, those are the, usually the ones that can't be created by consensus. And consensus regresses us back to, you know, just good enough, mm -hmm. usually. Something that everyone can agree upon, the least offensive option. And so we have this, we believe in this so much that this is one of our 
pre- uh, leadership principles here within Drift. No yeah. consensus. Pick a directly responsible individual, aka a DRI. Let uh, her or him uh, make the decision, take responsibility, and have the autonomy accountability to make that decision and move forward. And just in, in the book, he's talking about General Motors. Yep. In 1935, mm. a key piece of their strategy was basically this idea of decentralized decision making. Mm-hmm. Right, big decisions were made by one person, fully autonomous. Yeah. Just and so that that's a giant car manufacturer. And just in case uh, Amy was wondering, I was not born in 1935. No, I thought you had. I thought he had his first company. Yeah, 1935, in 1935, 1932. Right. So that is five lessons from Peter Drucker, the effective executive. Everything you need to know about management, leadership, business right here. in this one book. What do you think of these drift stickers right here? Huh? I love them. I'm trying to get these off my laptop, like. The old put ones? the new one on, yeah. Oh, okay, I'll give you a secret later. Yeah. Uh, but before I give them that secret, open up that podcast app, leave us that little five... Uh, five what, what? What? That's how you know he's sick. I'm slipping. How many? Six stars. Six. Little six-star review there. I was slipping a little bit. And uh, leave a little note for Amy or for Dave and uh, or for myself if you want yeah. in there. Uh, maybe a poem. Yeah. Maybe a haiku. Yeah. You know uh, what? Let's do... DC, let's... Let's send the people some some copies. Oh, okay. Of this. Why don't we do that? Yeah. So leave a comment. Yeah. Uh, and we'll select comments yeah. that are left after this episode, and we'll be sending you a copy yeah. of Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive. Yeah. So leave yeah leave a review. Yeah. Mention this book. Six star only. We'll hook you up. Okay. We'll send you a swag pack with copies of this book for you and your team. And right after you leave that review, go to the Hypergrowth site. What was that URL again? Hypergrowth.drift.com. Hypergrowth.drift.com. Seeking wisdom promo code. Mm-hmm. Sign up now, mm-hmm. get there, because mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen just like last year. It's going to sell out. Sell out. People are going to hit me up weeks before. Yo, DC, you got any more tickets? I want to bring my team down. Yeah. Yo, you got tickets? No, act now. Yeah, act now. We got two venues, San Francisco or Boston. Yes. You choose. See no you. excuses. See you.